Let's dive into our message today. I want to start a, a series called Generous Soul, and I pray that you have one. If you don't have one, that you'll begin to cultivate one and the importance of it. And so we're going to kind of uh, plow some ground today and get this started. Let's look in Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25. It says, there is one who scatters, and this is an agricultural term, like the farmer, he's scattering, sowing, spreading seed. There's one who scatters yet increases more, and that makes sense to us. If you plant 40 acres, then you're, you know, you're going to have stuff growing out there. This, there's one who scatters yet increases more, and there's one who withholds more than is right. More literally, they keep what they should give. Withhold more than is right, keep what you should give, and it leads to what? To poverty. So instead of uh, increase, this is uh, decrease. Verse 25, the generous soul. There it is. That's where we get our title for this, the generous soul. Go ahead and say, that's me. Generous soul will be made rich unless you get wrongly excited about the word rich there. In the Hebrew, it actually means this fat really does, but it's a good fat. It's the healthy fat. It's the, uh, it's, um, you know, you have livestock and you want, you want to see them plump up and, and fill out. Or it's like my grandbaby. Uh, she's almost five months old now, Cora. And she just started out so tiny. And then just five months, she's just like, you know, it's like just pumping her up. But her name is Cora Joy, but I've renamed her Butter. Because she looks like butter that's been sitting on the table for about an hour. Just kind of, that you could just spread, you know. So, Oh, one other thing about Cora, and then we'll get back to the message. She loves her people. It's just, it's great. All right. Back to the scripture. The generous soul will be made rich. Now, let me talk about rich one more time here, please. And we're going to work on this. Do not wrongly define that as just money. Okay. There's some in quote church world that have, that pushed things some wrong way. Even when we talk about being generous, don't push that the wrong way. We'll look at some other things as we go here, but it does include money. But it's a list of things that the generous soul will be made rich. We'll look at it as we go. And he who waters will also be watered himself. Let's look at it in the message paraphrase. It says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy, what? Smaller and smaller. Which one do you want to be? Did you be? I mean, when you, when you pass on, I believe this, we either die or fly. Okay, we either, we either die, we pass, or the great rapture of the church. So either die or fly. I hope we get to fly. How many of you are for flying? Amen. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. It's just going to be awesome. I'm going to do flips and things on the way up. So. <laughs> there won't be time. There won't be time. Twinkling of an eye. Anyway, back to this message. When you, let's say that you just normally pass like, you know, people prior to us have, and you've got a you know, tombstone, head marker, you know, with something about you, would you want generous or stingy written on there? You know, I, I, wouldn't you hate it if all your friends and family got together and said, glad he's gone. Yeah. You, you wouldn't want that. You, you want to be generous, generous. You've got to see that that is the desirable condition that we want. Uh, the one, let's go back to our scripture here. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped. What we want to look at is generosity as a condition of our soul. 
a condition of our soul. This needs to be not just something that we do. It's something that we are. It's something that comes out of the inside of us. That you and I are genuinely a generous person in the fullness of what that means. Let's look at some things here though because we're talking about a generous soul. And I want to break down some things so that we understand what that is. Uh, If you've been around here any length of time, we talk about this periodically because this is real important to our understanding of, of just about everything here. There are three parts to you. Spirit, help me out. Soul and, and body. And let's, let's just address these real quick. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Okay? So everybody say, I am a spirit. I am a spirit. And I know that's not spooky. Okay? It's like, it's not that. Okay. So... I, Say again, I am a spirit. I I have a soul. I I live in a body. This is the scriptural order uh, for Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace sanctify you, Holy Spirit, soul, body. Hebrews 4.12 talks about how the word of God is the only thing sharp enough, sharper than any any two-edged sword, that's able to get in and divide even between spirit and soul. So let's break this down. The spirit is eternal. I believe that the soul is also eternal and the body is temporal. This is your earth suit. You've got to have it on while you're on earth. Okay? And then once this thing shuts down, you're out of here. But you're still fully alive unto God. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we see uh, aspects of the soul even in some of the things that Jesus shared of people who have left the body and they're on, on the other side of it. So the spirit, God is spirit, and you're alive unto God. You communicate with God, spirit, spirit to spirit. The soul, this, this part of you, and I believe that the spirit, when all of this is healthy and right, the spirit expresses itself through the, through the soul and out through the body when things, things are right. So let's look at this. The soul is your Will, your intellect, your emotions, your subconscious. So here's what happens in the soul. You think, you feel, you decide. In the soul, you think, you feel, you decide, and you remember. And so the soul is very, very important. Then the body, we know the body. You live in the body. Please understand this. Take care of your body. But this is not you. But it's important that you take good, good care of your body because that's how you get around. And God has a plan for you. God wants to use you and, and he can't use you if you're all, you know, broken down because you're not taking good care of the body. So, and God will even do repairs on you. Do you know that? Do you know we believe God is a healer? Anybody ever been healed by God before? Okay. And so here's what happens to you vote on everything. You actually voted on if you were going to come to church today or not. You did. And so what happens is... You've got your spirit that's always, as a born-again believer, your spirit's always going to vote the way for what God wants. Okay? Your flesh, though, is contrary to the spirit. They never agree. So the body's going to vote opposite. The flesh and the spirit, they're opposite. So spirit's voting yay for the things of God. Flesh is going, I don't want to do that. So we're at an impasse. Kind of like Congress. (laughs) I'm sorry, I brought that up again. Um, So we've got to have a tiebreaker. And so that's why this is so important because if this is not right, 
If this is not strong, if this is not clear in your soul, how you think, feel, and decide, you're going to side, you're going to vote the wrong way, and it is going to affect your life. So we've got to be careful of the condition of our soul. This is absolutely so, so vital. Are y'all with me? Y'all with me on it? It's so vital, this, because spirit's good. Body, maintenance. Soul, you better pay attention to that. So much so that our good shepherd does what to our soul? He restores our soul because you know what? There's a struggle all the time pulling and pushing against the soul because that's where you think. That's where you feel. That's where you decide. And this is why you need to be careful on some things too. That's where you remember. And so we, we want to be careful in this part of us so that we can cast a vote that goes in the right, this, right direction. All of that being said, get this. The contents and the condition of your soul determines the quality and the direction of your life. I'll say it again. The contents and condition of your soul determines the quality and the direction of your life. So this is vitally, vitally important, the condition of our soul. And one of the most healthy conditions that can exist in your soul is that you are a generous soul. You're a generous soul. Now, let me anticipate a couple things here, and then I, I have a couple of uh, just side issues that I want to address as we introduce this and get going into this. Um, perhaps you might be here today and you said, oh, no, he's talking about generosity. He's probably going to be talking about money and giving. It won't hurt my feelings. How many of you, maybe that crossed your mind? You're, y'all are not brave. Thank you. Thank you. Let's look at it. Uh, he's probably going to talk about money and giving. Well, are you? Yeah, I am. But I'm only going to talk about that as part of something. And see, that's why we've got to change our thinking, expand our thinking a little bit. Here's what I'm talking about being generous with. It's what we call T4. Your time, your talent, your treasure, your Toyota. Your touch. Just making sure you were with me. Everybody say it. Time, talent, treasure, touch. That's what you've got to be generous with. That does involve your treasure, but please don't view everything um, just in that way. Now, let me back up on something, too, because I, I missed a scripture here earlier. Third John 2, there's only one chapter, so it's verse 2, and it says this, Beloved, everybody say beloved. beloved. How many of you know God loves everybody? But this is a term of, in, of family endearment. These are people who are a born-again child of God. God is your father. You've made a decision. I want to receive Jesus. If you've not done that before, we're going to give you opportunity before we get out of here today. But that makes you in the beloved. So John here is addressing the beloved, and he said this. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your what? Your what does? Your soul prospers. Now watch this. First of all, let's clear up prosper. Let's clear up prosper here. In the Greek, it's the word euhodos, and it, and it means this, to have a successful or good journey. And maybe when you get up in the morning and you're going to go to work and you're going to handle things, you would like to have a good journey. Yes. Remember in Ephesians where it talked about children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's first commandment with promise that you may live long and what? Prosper, that things will go well with you. 
Things will go well with you. So that's what that word prosper means, that things will go well with you. How many of you want things to go well with you? Amen. Does anybody want things to go bad for them? Let me see those hands. No, no, you want things to go well with you. You're, you're, you're geared that way. God understands that. He made you that way. How many of you get a rock in your shoe? You just leave it there. Well, it must be the will of the Lord. No, you're popping that sucker off, and I don't care where you are. You're pulling it off. You get that out. You're going to lean on a total stranger. Sorry, dude. To get that out of there. You want things to go well with you. Well, it says that things will go well with you, and you'll be in health just as or even as your soul prospers. So it's this way. As you prosper in your soul, as things are well and right and healthy in your soul... Then it happens in your life. It's from the inside out. Guess what? The inverse is also true. That if it's messed up in here, if you're confused in here, if you're harboring wrong things, if it's dark in here, uh, you're angry in here, you're broken in here. We gotta get, we gotta get that restored. You gotta, you gotta get that well. Because if it's, it's all messed up in there, I promise you, it's gonna be messed up out here. People can only pretend out here so long. And so it's gotta be well in here. It's gotta be right in here. So that's why we'll talk about the condition of the soul. So let's back to this. Oh, no, he's, he's talking about being generous. He's going to talk about money and giving. I will, but it's just part of it. It's just part of it, and it is part of it. And so it's your time, your talent, your treasure, and your touch. Let me share a couple things with you. Let me be vulnerable and tell you that I have strong personal discomfort. I do. with talking about money and giving. I always have. I still do. I think part of it is because some other things that I was exposed to coming up in church world where it was so abused that I'm a little gun shy. Uh, Maybe I should be over it by now. But I just, I'm just careful with this. I, I have personal discomfort about it. But can I tell you something? I have no discomfort at all talking to you about the condition of your soul. So I'm able to step over my discomfort on some of this because of the larger issue here, and that is the condition of your soul. And so we'll be talking about that. I wish we never had to talk about money, honestly. I wish we never did. But you know what? Ministry doesn't run on air. Even hot air. Okay? So it doesn't run on air. I I wish we never had to talk about it. I have some pastor friends of, honestly, some of the most prosperous churches in this country, it defies logic. And they never, never receive offerings, never talk about it. They've got boxes in the back where you come and go and you, and you put that in because they have generous souls they've been taught. And so I'd love to next week start with boxes in the back, but I don't want to hurt your feelings, but y'all aren't ready yet. Okay? So just, just saying. All right, back to the message here. Also, I am so sorry. I really am. Even though I didn't do this, I am sorry that it happened. That out there in church world and Christian television even and so forth, that there are those that have misrepresented and even abused some of the truths that I'm going to be sharing with you along the way. Uh, Taking things to extremes. Perhaps to just get something out of you. And, And that happens a lot that... Some truths are twisted and scripture warns against it and it warns those that are doing it against it. Uh, 
that those would be taken to extremes to get something out of people. It happens sometimes on TV, and I'm nobody's judge, just observation. You know, God's telling me right now, there's a hundred of you. You need to send in a billion dollars in the next 10 minutes, uh, or your mailbox is going to blow up. But if you do send it in, you're going to have a brand new car by Tuesday. You know, and I'm, I'm exaggerated on that, but that kind of stuff goes on and on and on and on. Change channels, folks, okay? I'd, I'd rather watch C-SPAN. All right. I lost my place. Okay. To get something from you. Or they've done this, and this happens a lot too. Taught people... You need to give so you can get. That messes things up entirely. Because once you change, okay, to be generous, I'm going to give. But I'm going to give so I can get. Well, if you give to get, you're not generous. If you give to get, you're not giving. You're trying to manipulate. You're trying to play something or whatever. And that's wrong. That's wrong. And so we want to make sure this is done right. Scripture does teach, give and you shall receive, uh, that there is seed time and harvest. There is giving and receiving. There's the laws of God. So I want us to view it this way though, that that's a benefit. That's a result that does happen as a result of giving, but it should never be your primary, secondary, or even tertiary as a word for you, motivation for giving. That should not be your motivation for giving. And so I wanted to address that. What I'm about to teach in this series is vital. I believe it's important. Um, I normally don't do this much disclaimer on anything, but this, this subject has been bruised and tattered and pulled different ways, and we want to make sure that we're going to get this in, in an actual, actual uh, and accurate scriptural way. Um, I have a responsibility to teach these things to you. Uh, so that you can be balanced and so that you can be blessed. Truly blessed. Everybody, how many of you want to be blessed? It's better than not. Blessed. And what's the ultimate purpose of you being blessed? So that you can, so that you can be a blessing. And I can't apologize for doing this. I don't apologize for teaching you about prayer or getting through hard times or uh, the whole Brave series or anything else that we teach. I don't, I don't apologize for those things, so I can't and I won't apologize teaching you how to get your soul in such a healthy condition that you would actually have a generous soul so that your life could be blessed. So ultimately, end of the day, I'm going to obey God on this, and you're going to be helped because of this. So let's, let's lock on to this. Don't miss any of this. And, and we're going to make some good progress here even this morning. So since we have all those extra issues kind of attached to it, look at me. I need you to listen. I mean, listen, pay attention. Don't miss it. And please don't misconstrue what you hear. Make sure that we get it accurate. Uh, I heard about a 95-year-old man. Pretty good health, little hard of hearing, wasn't feeling good for a few days, went to the doctor, told the doctor what the situation was. Doctor looked at him, gave him a checkup, gave him some advice, sent him on his way. About two, three days later, the doctor's walking downtown and he sees the, the old gentleman walking along, standing up good and tall. He's got a spring in his step, a big old smile. He's, he's got a gorgeous young lady on his arm. 
walking along and the doctor said, well, I see you're feeling better. And he goes, I am just following doctor's orders. You told me to get a hot mama and to be cheerful. And the doctor said, I didn't tell you that. I said, you have a heart murmur. Be careful. So listen. You can use that. Hey, let me hit one other one here too. I've, I've heard this throughout my life. You probably have too. Hey, all churches want is your money. All churches want is your money. I'm sure there's some churches out there, but I want to, I want to express to you again, God is our source. And we never want to make that the focus of anything. God will provide. God, for 24 years, God has provided. We don't, have, we don't have to court people. We don't have to do things. God will provide. But it's best if everybody gets involved in all that. But, and, and there are some churches, I'm sure, but I'm nobody's judge that maybe that might would be the issue. But I want to I redirect that a little bit and say, no, church is not after your money. I'll tell you who is after your money. The cereal company is after your money. The tennis shoe company. It's after your money. The yogurt commercial or, or company is after your money. Car company, after your money. E-Harmony and Christian Mingle <laughs> are after your money. Listen, if you watch uh, TNS Media Research put out this report, I just read it the other day, that in one hour of television, watching one hour of television... of that hour is taken up in commercials. What are commercials? We would like your money. Okay, and you say, no, no. They want us to have a healthy breakfast, a comfortable walk, a nice ride, and meet some sweet people. (laughs) That might be secondary, but I'm telling you, they want your money. They want your money, okay? And so you watch an hour of television, 36% of that is going to be in commercials. Seven minutes and 59 seconds of the other part, the actual show, contains what is called in-show brand appearance. So you're going to be watching a, a show, whatever, the, the Voice, American Idol, whatever. Somebody's going to have Nike, drinking Coke, doing something. There's going to be in-show brand appearance. And if you watch late night television, 49% of your hour is taken up in commercials. They're after your money. They're after your money. Now, let's move on. Another thing that is said, I don't even want to think about generosity and giving because I'm afraid God might want it all. Listen to me. If God wanted it all, he doesn't have to wait for you to give it to him. Okay? All right. Now, let's compare a little bit generosity. Let's compare and contrast here. You still with me this morning? All right. So... The condition that we want in our soul is we want to be generous. What would the opposite of this be? Stingy. Good, that's the word I chose to, stingy. And I'm not going to take the time to write all of this out, but let's look at this. First of all, let's let's compare and contrast. First of all, generous starts with G. So does God. And he's the most generous of all. Stingy. Starts with S. That's that other guy. Loser. All right? Which one you want to be like? Generous 
is open hands. Stingy is clenched fist. Generous, healthy. Stingy, unhealthy. Generous, happy. Stingy, fearful. Generous, you are loved. Stingy, you're disliked. Generous, respected. Stingy, resented. Start thinking of Scrooge. Generous, kind. Stingy, mean. Scrooge. Generous, brings increase. Stingy, brings loss and decrease. You try to hold on, you lose. Jesus talked about it in numerous ways. Generous, your life can be blessed. Stingy, curse. And by curse, the Hebrew word for curse right there is A-R-A-R, arar. And it means this, hemmed in with obstacles, powerless to resist. That your life gets in a place where no one can help you, can't help yourself. It's just hemmed in with obstacles, powerless to resist. To resist. That's stingy. And when you're generous, you're most like God. And when you're stingy, well, you're like that other guy. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. Selfishness. I don't want to hurt your feelings this morning, but we're all naturally selfish. And then selfishness, as we start to understand it more, we become greedy. And greedy is a perverse generosity because when we're greedy, we are generous, but we're generous with ourselves. And so we've got to break out of this because, again, we're naturally selfish. It's a little different for us to be generous, although it's the best place for us to be. There are several words that you never have to teach kids. One of them is what? Mine. Mine. And I believe this. When you start to hear your children say mine, it's time to teach them to give and to share. Guess what? Some parents didn't know to do that. So now we have adults that still say mine. And they'll get, over, they'll get in fights over a parking space. It's mine. I saw it. You know, and you've got to realize at some point you get generous enough that you say, I can afford to let you go first. I can afford to, to do that. I had some friends growing up. I don't care if they took you to the end of the block in their car. They wanted gas money. After a while, you don't even want to hang out with people like that because you owed them gas money. We are not naturally generous. We don't just drift into generosity. If you're not intentional about this, you won't wake up and be like, you know what? I am getting more and more generous. That won't just happen that way. We have to be called to generosity. We have to be awakened to generosity. And I believe it starts with this. It starts when we realize God's generosity towards mankind and we realize, y'all with me, that we realize God's generosity towards you. When you start to realize how good and generous God has been to you, let let me just ask you, has he been good to anybody? Because some of y'all look like I'm reading the phone book here to you, okay? Um, God has been good to you. And when you realize that, when you realize that, You don't have to be on the take anymore because you know who your source is and your heavenly father and he will take care of you. And when you realize God's generosity to you, here's what it does to you. It makes your heart glad. It makes your heart full. It makes your heart grateful. Don't miss this. 
A generous soul stems and grows out of a grateful heart. I'll say it again. A generous soul stems or grows out of a grateful heart. And when you're grateful then at God's generosity, the response is you become generous. Just like we love him because he first what? See, once I realize that he loves me, what happens? I start loving. And when you realize how good and generous God has been to you, your heart wells up with gratitude. Thank you, God, you're so good to me. Your level of trust goes up. And when trust goes up, hands go open. And you, and you can start to live generous with your T4, with your time, with your talent, with your treasure, with anything else that we haven't even thought to add to the list. You can live that way because you've got a heavenly father who's generous to you. Your heart is grateful. Generosity happens in your soul then. In John chapter 12, and let's look at this real quick. It says, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Watch carefully. Where Lazarus was, who had been dead. Do y'all understand that? He got over it. He was dead, but he got over it. He had been dead. Whom he, Jesus, had raised from the dead. Verse 2. There they made him, capital H, so this is Jesus. They're having a dinner in honor of Jesus. There they made him a supper. And Martha served, because every time we see Martha, that's what she's doing. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. So this is Lazarus who had been dead, but now he's alive because Jesus raised him from the dead. And he's what? He's at a dinner. And this is not like, what was the movie, Weekend at Bernie's or something? You know, he's not like just... Prop him up there. Sorry. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Let me set the stage. Martha, Mary, sisters. Got a brother, Lazarus. Okay, get that together. Now, let's pick up here in verse 3. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard anointed the feet of Jesus. She literally poured it out on the feet of Jesus. Let me talk to you about this for a moment. A pound of very costly oil of spikenard. This was like a full year's wages. For this woman, this would be like her life insurance and her life savings. And she just generously poured this out on Jesus and wiped his, his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Verse four, but enter religion. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. Let me just stop for a moment here. Judas, where, where do you think? We hadn't read the whole thing yet, but where, where do you think Judas? Which, this, this one? Okay, we got Judas here. And we got Mary. Where, where would we put, put? We got Mary. Okay, so just separate that out. This becomes real visible and obvious to us here. So Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, watch this religious farce right here. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you will have with you always, but me you do not always have. Mary gave this generous, extravagant, extravagant, gift that she poured this out on him. Why did she do it? Because of gratitude. Remember that a generous soul grows out of a grateful heart. Why was she grateful? Because sitting at the dinner table is her brother 
who was dead. And Jesus raised him from the dead. And she was grateful. And you know what? I don't even think she planned ahead of time. You know, Martha's doing all the planning and cooking and all that stuff. I I don't think Mary decided, and then I'm going to do this. I, I think she came out of the living room or something, walked into the dining room and saw her brother and saw Jesus and the smell of good food. And we're having this dinner. And my brother who was dead, my brother that, I, that was, was dead, he's alive. Jesus raised him from the, from the dead. I think gratitude just welled up in her. And she ran back into that little hiding place she had in her bedroom and pulled out her life savings and life insurance and said, I'm going to be generous on you because of what you did, because I'm grateful. I think that's what happened. So when you and I, when you and I will just realize God's generosity to me, your heart will be so grateful. And out of that gratitude, you're going to find that this condition of generosity in your soul will begin to take over. I call you to be generous. I call you to be generous with your time and your talent and your treasure. I call you to stop living this way. And live this way. And watch what God will do in your life and and through your life. And get this. Start where you are with just what you have. I'll tell you a couple things just real quick. There's some people in our church. There's some that are in this service. There's some that were in earlier services. I won't mention their names. I'm not going to embarrass them. And plus I didn't ask them for permission. But I'll tell you a couple stories just real quick. There's a lady in our church who's actually here second service, comes here every second service. I always know where she sits. She always wants a hug. She's a retired lady. She has a medical issue where she can't really speak. She has to kind of whisper and you can kind of hear her. And I've, I've gotten where I can hear her really good. She sent me an email this past week of how she was responding to last week's message about I dared you to go. I dared you to reach. And she said, I can't really talk much to people. And she said, so to reach out to people, I smile at people. I've looked for opportunities where somebody would drop something and I would go get it and catch up with them and give it to them. And she says, and in the grocery store line, if I see somebody behind me or near me that's got less things than what I do, I let them go ahead of me. Do you know what that is? It's generosity. That's the widow's might. That's powerful. It's generosity. There's a family in our church, sweet people, friends. They've got a couple of children that they're biological children. They opened their hearts. They opened their home to a situation. And then it ended up, they ended up adopting a precious little boy. And, and I would have said, well done. You guys are amazing. And you know what? They've opened up their heart and their home even more. And now they've got some foster children in addition to that. Generosity. There's some business people in our church that have done well and they're blessed in business. And we've had endeavors or needs or situations. And you know what? They've stepped forward and said, let me take care of that. If you remember a year ago, Christmas, we wanted to have our big Christmas block party. And one individual stepped forward and said, I, let me take care of that. And wrote a, wrote a check, big check, so that we could do that and then not have to hinder anybody else to do that. That's called Generous. He said, well, I can never write a check like that. You could smile at somebody. Well, I don't really feel called to have foster children or whatever. But you know what? You can cheer on somebody else and you can, 
You, you can afford to say, hey, you, you go after me. And you, you can afford to look at your life and start to live open-handed with your time and with your talent and with your treasure and with your touch and start to cultivate on the inside of you a generous soul. Because when generosity is dominant in your soul, don't miss this. When generosity is dominant in your soul, I'm going to go ahead and say it and listen to me. I'm saying it in scriptural balance. When generosity is dominant in your soul, your life will be blessed. Your life will be blessed. And when you're blessed, things and people around you are going to be blessed. And Jesus said it's more blessed to, to be generous than to be otherwise. So you end up better off, things and people end up better off, but please never forget that your first concern of generosity is to be generous back toward God and the work of his kingdom. Speaking of mine, do you know God says mine some? He said the tithe is mine. And once you know that, you only have two options. Bring it to him or steal it. Here's something else God says is mine. You are mine. And once you know that, you either give your life to him or you run from him and you hide. I want to encourage you that what's God's, give it to God. Render unto God that which is God's and get this in order. And when we do it, I believe this. I believe this with all my heart. There's enough. I see my time is up. Uh, There's enough T4, there's enough time, talent, treasure, and touch in the hearts and hands of the body of Christ to fulfill the Great Commission. I believe it. And I believe there's enough T4, time, talent, treasure, and touch in the heart and hands of believers that the work of the kingdom, the local church, could operate at a level second to none, and it could be the most awesome thing going on on this planet. God's people have got to shake loose a wrong religious teaching and, and the distractions and cares of this world that pull us and trap us in other different ways and get centered up on this, have a generous soul. And when you have a generous soul, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And those who bless others will be abundantly blessed. Church, let's make it our business to cultivate in us a generous soul. Because the contents and condition of your soul are going to determine the quality and the direction of your life. Let's have a generous soul. Amen? Amen. We're just starting, but did you get anything at all out of this today? All right. Good deal.